0: Good morning, church. I'm Joel, and I'll be reading Philippians 4, verses 10 through 19. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have received your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied. Having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, God. You may be seated. Well, good morning. Uh,
1: My name is Ryan. I'm one of the pastors here. Thank you for joining us and gathering with us this morning. Um, As uh, you notice with Joel's reading, we are taking a break in Mark. Uh, I just want to show the preaching schedule for the next six weeks real quick uh, because it's going to be a little bit stop and go. This was mostly due to a very minor scheduling conflict. Whoever it is that Uh, sets the preaching schedule. Um, That would be me. Uh, Messed up uh, this week and next week, and so we're actually combining those two, but there's uh, the next six weeks. Uh, If you want to take a picture of that and just read along and be meditating on those scriptures, you can do that. Um, Today, we're talking about generosity. Uh, We're talking about biblical generosity, what it means to give and receive from the perspective of the Holy Spirit and what He says to us about generosity in Scripture. And so here's how we define generosity. Generosity is Jesus-centered and Jesus-glorifying sharing. Jesus-centered and Jesus-glorifying sharing. Okay. Now, Um, what this means is that we give generously, any act of giving, it doesn't have to be money, but any act of giving, biblically speaking, is considered generosity when it is an overflow of what we have received from Christ. So when we recognize that we have received all things from God, we then are free to give anything he calls us to give, but also generosity displays what our God is like. When we meet the needs of another or we encourage the soul of another with um, the generosity of our speech, the generosity of our resources and time, what we're doing is saying, hey, I can be generous because God has been generous to me and he is generous to you. So we're preaching the good news, the gospel of Jesus when we say, uh, that we are being generous because God has first been generous to us. This is Jesus-centered, Jesus-glorifying sharing. Now, before I get into the sermon, I want to share there's three ways, maybe more, maybe less, I don't know, three-ish ways to give at Redeemer. I'm doing this on the front end of the sermon because I don't want to give the, the suspicion that this is a persuasive speech. Okay? My job is not to convince you to give here. My job is to pray for you, to pray for this church. It's to, to speak what's true in Scripture. So we're going to look at generosity and what it means to be biblically generous by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then I'm going to let you pray and listen to Jesus to, to determine uh, how and when you give and if. Okay. So um, if you already give to Redeemer, thank you. If you're thinking about that, if you're considering it, if you want to and you don't know how, here's this. It would be silly of me to preach a sermon on generosity and giving and not give this. Um, But if you're skeptical and you're cautious and you're suspicious, that's okay. It's not my job to convince you, all right? Um, I also want to share, just so we all know where this is going, our finances are great. Like, we're doing well. We have not missed a bill. We're not in trouble financially. Okay, absolutely. This is not a reactive sermon to say, hey guys, this is the first time we're preaching on sermon, I know, but here's the problem. Praise God that we've never had to do that and that we're not doing it today. Um, what you do need to know is that um, as we are pursuing biblical generosity, Uh, What what we're doing in that is we're we're prayerful. We're using the wisdom that the Lord gives us. We have a board of elders that makes decisions for our budgets. Um, And so uh, while this this sermon is coming from a small scheduling mistake that we're not blaming anybody for, (laughs) this is is a, a message that we haven't yet preached on and that the elders firmly believe must be preached on. It would be unwise and irresponsible for us to just assume uh, that you know everything you need to know about giving and generosity. It would be unwise and irresponsible for Brian and I to assume that we know everything there is to know about biblical generosity. And so we're preaching on that this morning, and there's going to be more um, little interruptions like this to come. Um, If you are interested in learning how Redeemer's elders Uh, um, have decided to give generously to our church and to our city, uh, then you can at any time reach out to Brian and and talk to him. Um, But also, we have, after this gathering, we have a members meeting where we're just going to give our quarterly update. And it is called a members meeting because it is for those of us who have committed to this body as this is our body, I'm committed to it. Um, Now, if you're interested in what it means to be a committed member here at Redeemer, we have uh, twice a year membership classes where you can come and learn more about what that means. You can take the class and not be a member, but if you would like to be a member, we ask that you take the class. So we're going to have one this fall. We don't have a date set for that yet, but we do have a button On our website. We can also share with you at any point the membership commitment. It is a form because we want to be very clear on saying what it is you're committing to, okay? So um, you can ask either Brian or I for uh, a look at that or just any information at all. Just come talk to us uh, after the gathering. Um, Now, there's a lot of things up front. Before we get into the text, because we're about to, I promise. But before we get there, there's three things that I want to say because I know that um, it's not just our members that give. We have people who've not yet committed to this body as, as their church, or we have people that are wanting to and we're just waiting for the next class. So this is for everybody. If you have given um, financially, if you have given uh, with your time and your energy, if you have served here, if you have even so much as encouraged anyone here, I want to say three things. First, thank you. Like I said before, this is not a reactive sermon. I get to preach on generosity today. I don't have to. I get to. And I get to because um, you all have been so generous that it hasn't been uh, this, this need that, that we've looked at where we've been in the red and we've said, hey, we can't make bills today. We need to lean on some other churches for help or we need to make a proposal to our people. We haven't had to do that. And praise God for that. We're almost two years old and our giving has grown with our population. And I'm so grateful for that. I'm also grateful because um, Brian and I believe that we have the best jobs in the world. No offense to all of you who literally have all the other jobs, We believe that we have the best ones. Y'all can fight about who's second. But we're grateful that your giving supports that. Me saying that from the stage is a big deal to me and to Brian, but it's not enough. And we pray in gratitude often for your generosity, that we can do this. So thank you. The other thing that I want to say is you're doing well. Like if you look at some of the metrics that Scripture gives of, of a fruitful body. It's one of those, one of the many, is that it, there's giving and receiving. There's a generosity of spirit. Because it's not only when you put your, your checks or your cash in the box, or you go online and you press the buttons and you send, put give, that, that's not the only definition of generosity. We have seen families fed We have seen needs met that we haven't even known about until after they were met because you guys were so quick to meet them. We have seen souls encouraged by the giving of encouraging words. We just saw last week how many families, how many parents, how many uh, singles, how many college students, how many grandparents came to support and to serve Family Discipleship Week. You're generous. That is evidence of the the gospel being alive in this church body. The Holy Spirit is at work and bearing fruit in you. That cannot go unnoticed. It needs to be said, okay? So when you doubt, man, we're just not there. We're not unified enough. We're not generous enough. We're not gospel enough. Don't believe those lies. The gospel is alive at Redeemer, okay? And I want you to know that we see it and we are grateful for it. The last uh, and third thing that I want to say is we're sorry because we take money seriously. Money is an important topic. Giving, generosity is an important topic. The Bible talks about many things. And we kind of have this saying when we're wondering whether or not we should talk about something and how we should talk about it. We say to whatever volume the Bible talks about money, that's the volume we want to use when we talk about money whatever volume and frequency. And it's true that the Bible frequently and loudly talks about money. And so we're, we're not feeling like we're behind, we're not ashamed of ourselves and we're not beating ourselves up that this is the first one. But I am saying, I'm grateful this morning to be talking about this in the, in the, the culture that we're talking about it in, in the, the circumstances that we are. And it's a step towards growth for us that we'll be having these conversations more as they come up through our preaching. So thank you, you're doing well, and we're sorry, but really, thank you. Uh, Okay, let's get into Philippians. If you haven't, turned there yet, Philippians 4. I'm gonna break this up into two sections. We're gonna talk about Jesus-centered generosity, and then we're gonna talk about how Jesus-centered generosity leads to Jesus-glorifying generosity. Um, I, I, I do need to say that uh, people are suspicious of pastors talking about money. There's just this general sense that we get when we start talking about giving and um, tithes and offerings and where the boxes are and everything. Like some of you, your faces can really tell us what's going on in your heads. Now, the same reasons that you might be suspicious are the same reasons that Brian and I share a little hesitancy and reluctance to preach on it. Because there are people who abuse the volume and the frequency of scripture when it talks about money. There really is, on on both ends of the spectrum, unbiblical perspectives where we have a prosperity perspective, this prosperity theology, where we Pastors and, and church leadership might believe that all the money needs to, to flow through us and then we're just going to take care of everything. Um, and the more we give, the more the Holy Spirit is here. And so we must be really great Christians because we have lots of money. That's wrong. Our Christianity, our faith, the Holy Spirit's presence and fruit within us is not defined by our generosity. That's false. That is a false gospel. It is wicked. It is evil. Okay? Okay? Now, look at the other end of the spectrum, a poverty theology, that when we say no to spending, when we say no to money, when when we put ourselves in destitute situations and deprive ourselves of actually using the good gift of resources that God gives us, that we're more spiritual, we're better Christians, that too is false gospel, it is wicked, it is evil. And there's no in between. What we also often say is that Jesus has a third way that's just different. It's altogether different. And you know how we find it? We pray. We don't try to balance between prosperity and poverty theology because then we're just religious elites and then we're gonna define um, our, our faith on what we do anyways. But we follow Jesus in this third way where we don't know how to get there unless we pray. Okay, So he's going to give to us what it means for us to give, what it means for us to be generous. And we listen and we follow, we obey. All right? So um, I'm confident that here at Redeemer, we do not have either a prosperity theology or a poverty theology. But it's still awkward to talk about. My salary and and my entire family for the last five years has been fully supported, 100% supported by the generosity of Christians. And Redeemer's almost two years old, so that means that even before Redeemer was launched, my family was supported by the generosity of the church. And I've had lots of conversations about this. I can quote Matthew 1010 10. I can quote first and second Corinthians and talk to you about why we believe in full-time um, church supported ministry, but it's still hard it's still hard and so I, I, I appreciate um, your, your grace and your generosity. I appreciate the the opportunity to speak on this this morning and I just trust that um, the Lord's going to guide us along the way just to remind you of our our structure and where we're going, where we're going to land the plane. Generosity is Jesus-centered and Jesus-glorifying sharing. And I can tell you, Jesus has met every single need of my family in the last five years. And I will preach that to my unbelieving neighbors. I will preach that to my believing brothers and sisters that in him we have everything we need. That doesn't mean there's not pain. That doesn't mean there's not sadness. That doesn't mean that we don't pray in desperation because we see a hole in the things that we have and we need that hole to be filled. That doesn't mean it's not difficult. It does mean that God meets our needs when and how He pleases. But He will and sometimes through our struggling through our need, God will show us that what we really need more is Jesus. That we think we need these material things, but what we need more of is Jesus. And this is what Paul is saying in these first few verses. In verses 10 through 13, Paul by the power of the Holy Spirit is instructing the church in what it really means to need and not need. There's this word that as Joel was reading uh, the text this morning, this word popped out at me that I I didn't prep for. So just we're going to be careful because this isn't in my notes. But this word popped out, secret, secret. There's no like formula, there's no secret, there's no hidden like, way of Christianity. It's all been made known, it's here. There's no secret of how to follow Jesus. But if you're looking for one, Paul says right here, I've learned the secret and you know what it is? That Jesus meets my needs, that's my secret. That's not a secret. But he's saying that just to reinforce the meaning and the depth of we don't know what we think we know about being content in Christ. Can I say that again? We don't know what we think we know about being content in Christ. We think we're satisfied enough. You're not. Your soul is not because we don't have him fully yet. We see through a mirror dimly. We have half-hearted faith and even less than half-hearted efforts. We find the things of this world, the resources of this world, the things that we claim to be our own often as more satisfying and more to be content in than Christ. But our hearts and our souls, our bodies, every part of us longs to be made full in him. And that's what the secret. That's what Paul is saying. He's saying, I, I've, I've lived the life of luxury. I've experienced that. I can relate to ridiculously rich people. And he's also in the same sentence saying, but I can also relate to those who are in poverty to those who have gone days without food. To those who, who have never had a home. Who don't have a bed frame or a washing machine. Paul's saying, I can relate to those people. Now, here's what we, all of us in this room, there's, not, there's, there's probably, there may not be one of us. It's unlikely that one of us can relate to Paul in that way. We've had lap of luxury and we've had extreme poverty. We can, some of us probably relate to either of those, but I guarantee every single one of us in this room can relate to what Paul says in saying, I still struggle to find contentment in Christ. With whatever I have, whatever I don't have, I still struggle to be content. In Christ. Because when I have, I I'm so tempted to f- be content in that. But when I don't have, I struggle to be content in Christ because I want. And Paul's saying here, the secret is, is just Him. The more we pursue Him, we follow Him, we listen to Him, and He gets to decide what we do with our resources. He gets to decide whether we do or don't have. So then what Paul continues on, and I keep saying Paul, but what I really want you to hear is the Holy Spirit. Paul is not the Holy Spirit. Paul is an apostle. He was a Christian. He was a leader. He was a church planter. But Paul was filled with the power of God by the Spirit of God. And God chose to take these words that Paul wrote to other churches to encourage them about generosity and give them to us and put them in the Holy Scriptures. So when I say Paul, that's a a bad way of saying God is saying this to us, all right? What God is saying, what the Holy Spirit is saying, is that through the generosity of the church, because Paul is supported by the Philippians, through the generosity of the church, Paul has never gone without. Even in extreme poverty, he's never gone without. How can that be? Well, when we struggle with this contentment of whether we're in luxury or we're in poverty, poverty, we wonder often if we're Christian enough, right? Am if, if I giving enough of my money back? Or am I saying no to myself enough? We're asking ourselves, are we Christian enough? And Paul's saying, that's not how we define generosity or Christianity. It's defined by... Our contentment in Christ, and how sure we are that in Him we have everything we need so we can give away the rest. We can be open handed with the rest. Um, notice that in, in the New Testament, when Jesus talks about giving, he talks about generosity, when, when the, the Holy Spirit, through the letters of the apostles, talks about generosity, they're not referring to this percentage, right? We, we use that 10% as kind of a a standard. If you're not giving 10%, that does not make you less Christian. Can I just free you from that shame? Also, if you're giving more than 10%, that does not make you more Christian. Okay? That's legalism. That's works-based religion. We're not doing that. We're not talking about percentages. We're talking about the posture of our hearts. Which leads us then to those next few verses. We know that our generosity, when we are content in Christ, we can hold everything else with open hands and trust that whether we're living in luxury or in poverty, Jesus is enough for us. That leads us then into the next few verses because in verses 4 through 17... We transition into this other aspect of generosity, this worshipful aspect of generosity. When Paul says, in my God, in verse 19, my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now, we're not talking about riches in terms of money. We're just talking about riches in terms of how incredibly awesome Jesus is, period, but it says, then, to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. So how do we go from talking about giving and being content in Christ and, and being fully supported by the, uh, the, the generosity of the church to now? well, Jesus really has all the riches, but his riches are glory. What Paul is connecting here, what the Holy Spirit is connecting here, by talking about giving and generosity, encouragement, finances, resources, whatever it is, and the glory of God is when we live freely generous, what we are saying, what we will be saying, not only by our actions, but also by our words, is, hey, I can give generously because I have received generously. Now, money is a hard thing for us to talk about because we find it Um, very personal. We find it very um, intimate. We don't talk about our salaries or our bank accounts. We don't talk about those things. And there's a measure of privacy that I think is appropriate. But we should wonder, okay, why am I hesitant? Why do I feel awkward right now when we're talking about my money? Is it because I believe that it's all mine? See, we are usually able to live freely and accept the, 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 that, that Jesus owns creation, right? That creation is all God's, it's all his, so we're going to take care of it. Um, that other people belong to Jesus, and so we're going to treat them um, like they uh, possess the image of God. We're going to treat the church like it's God, so we're going to pray, we're going to follow Jesus' leadership here. There's a lot of things where we strongly believe that, okay, Jesus owns this, but my money is mine. I've earned it. It goes in my bank account with my social security number. Now, if, when I say, actually, like the Psalms, the cattle on a thousand hills are his, meaning all the money that ever exists in the world belongs to God, right? We can get on board with that. We can even say, all the money in my bank account belongs to God. But then we start connecting that to contentment in Christ and ownership of of whose money this is. We're like, wait a second. I'm starting to think maybe I do find some contentment in the security of where I live, in the, the comforts of how many streaming services I have, in the status of whatever car I drive or job I have. Let me tell you, When you are in need or when you have an abundance, where is your trust? I would be hard-pressed if anyone actually confessed any of those things, if if it's in my car, if it's in my home, if it's in my bank account or my savings account. But what happens when you start to actually live and believe like those things are open-handed and those things are on the chopping block They can be taken away from me. Let me tell you, that makes me nervous. And it's not only because I enjoyed watching the College World Series last night because we have YouTube TV or because um, credit cards do make it a little bit easier to buy things I don't have money for. What happens if those things just get taken away? Can I truly be content? in Christ, and is the gospel of his generosity the gospel that I'm preaching with every aspect of my life, especially with my generosity. Generosity being Jesus-centered means that generosity will be Jesus-glorifying. What a compelling gospel to the world. What a compelling gospel to say, I don't need all this stuff. I'm gonna live open-handed with it. I can have it. You are free to have YouTube TV. You are free to have nice cars and comforts in your home. You're free. Remember, we said that doesn't make you less Christian to have nice things. You're free. But there's this temptation we have just by having them that we've gotta keep in check. That am I, am I trusting in these things? Am I leaning a little bit more on them than I am on the generosity of Christ? So what's more valuable? Our comforts, nice clothes, not being embarrassed by our bank account being displayed, what credit card that we do or don't have. Is that more valuable than realizing that When I say the generosity of Christ, what we have is stuff we could not 40 hours or 100 hours or 1,000 hours in a week could ever earn for ourselves. In the salvation of our souls, in the forgiveness of our wrongs against one another and against God, our rebellion against him. When we truly believe that that there's this this nature inside of us that wants to be like God instead of worship him, then forgiveness begins to make a little bit more sense to us. Salvation becomes a little bit more precious to us. And when Jesus is bigger and what he's done for us is bigger, everything else just seems to be smaller. All the other stuff we want to spend money on just is like, yeah, I could, I could go without that. I'm free to have it, but, you know. Let's pray first. Generosity is also a compelling display of the church's unity. Jesus said, um, the world will know you, the world will know me, the world will know that you're my disciples by the way that you love each other. And Love is expressed in one by sharing, by giving generously, and so Philippians four fifteen uses this word partnership. What does the Holy Spirit, through the handwriting of Paul, mean by this word partnership? What are they partnering in? What is Paul partnering with the Philippians? And he's partnering in Jesus in their faith in Jesus, their love for Jesus, their belief that Jesus gives them everything they need because all they really need, all we really need is salvation for our souls, forgiveness of our sin, and the hope and the promise of eternal life with our Father that made us. That's all we really need. And our generosity preaches this gospel. And it preaches that that's the thing that we come here together for. That's the thing where you can point to on a Sunday morning, people who confess this are meeting, maybe not in the same building, but for the same reason. The gospel unifies us. And when we share with one another, we're reminded that Jesus is better than this thing I'm giving you. So I'm just, I'm just gonna let you have it. It's not mine, it's his. I have everything I need in Jesus, you can have the rest. Generosity is Jesus-centered and Jesus-glorifying. We're pointing out to the whole world and to one another that Jesus is better than whatever consumables we have here. Now, if you are giving to redeemer or if you hope to give to redeemer if you're wondering whether that's money time energy your your words of encouragement anything else i want you to know that we're grateful for that we are we are truly grateful whether you're a member or not we are grateful because we know that we can't provide for our own needs jesus does and so we need him to provide for us in that way. Um, But I want you to know that that our standard of giving is the posture of our hearts, how convinced we are of this gospel, okay? So um, ultimately, generosity is not a financial issue. Generosity is a heart issue. If it's Jesus-centered, what do I believe about Jesus? If it's Jesus-glorifying, do I desire to glorify Jesus? if the answer to those aren't what i believe about jesus is that he is lord and savior that he did die on a cross to to be the sacrifice that earns me forgiveness that he saved my soul and that he offers me hope of eternity with him in the father then your giving isn't generous i'm sorry but also if your giving is not because Jesus is better than all that and your giving is an expression of worship to him, then your giving isn't generous, I'm sorry. And so we're not in Mark this morning, but we've kind of been running with this theme of repent and believe. And so I just want us to consider, like let's pray Psalm 139, 24, Lord, search me, know me. You do. You search me and you do know me. That's what the whole Psalm 139 is about. Would you reveal in me any wicked way, any selfish way, any way that's against your way? Would you pull it out to me? Would you lead me to repent, to turn from that and trust in your eternal way? Trust in the eternal way of Jesus. And so there's two questions as we consider, as I consider, as my family considers, and I hope that you would consider whether our giving is biblically generous, whether our giving is Jesus-centered and Jesus-glorifying. There's a couple of questions that I want to ask. I want to ask myself, and I hope that you would join me. First, am I content with Jesus? Is he enough? Is Jesus enough for me? And then, what is my generosity an expression of? Is my generosity an expression of love? Do I give because I love Jesus? I want the world to know that he's given freely to me, so I'll give freely? Ultimately, do I want the world to know Jesus is good or think I'm good? That one convicted me. I didn't come up with that. that. That was given to me. And that just pierced straight into my soul, because the vast majority of the time, my generosity is because I want—I want to think I'm good. I want Jesus to think I'm good. Now, whatever the Holy Spirit shows us along the, the way, the goal of Christianity, period. But the goal of Christian generosity is Jesus. Generosity is Jesus-centered and Jesus-glorifying. Now, um, there is something else that we share weekly, not just our resources and our time. Our serving and our encouragement, we share communion. Communion is the expression of the church that Jesus has been ultimately, permanently, and perfectly generous to us that he's not just given 10% of himself he gave full amount of himself 100% of Jesus was given to us that we would look on him that we would find contentment in the blood that he spilled when we drink this cup that we would find the fullness of our needs met and his body broken for us when we take the bread and we eat of it. And not only do we do this in memory of this gospel, we do this together because together as a unified church body, we confess the truth of the gospel that Jesus has freely and ultimately, perfectly, permanently given himself to us generously He tells his disciples in Matthew 10, when he sends them out to to preach about this good news, about the kingdom coming, he says, you received without pay. Give without pay. So we we should just like exude this truth. And our generosity is Jesus-centered and Jesus-glorifying so if you believe this to be true, if you believe that this is who Jesus is, that he, his generous body, his generous death, his generous life and his resurrection was given to forgive your soul, to save it, and to welcome you into eternity. If you believe this, would you then meet me at the table? Let's pray. God, we trust that in your son we have everything, you've given us everything we could ever need, and the rest we just hold open-handed. Would you lead us to be a generous church? Would you lead us not just to be generous to this church, but God, as a whole body, that our budget as a whole, our finances as a whole, are used to glorify you in our city? Would Saint Angelo know that you are good because, not just Redeemer, but the churches? all in St. Angelo would be so generous with their money that there would not be any need going unmet in your name. Would you give us the strength and the confidence to be content in the salvation that you've given to us and let that be enough for us and hold open-handedly with the rest. God, would you lead us as we pray and we ask how you'd call us to give and would you give us... um, Would you you just give us the confidence in you to obey? Amen.